The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning and welcome to P.I.'s Declassified. Today we're going to be talking about leadership. Tim O'Rourke was recommended to me as an example of effective leadership, and I am so pleased that he could join me today. Hi, Tim. Hello, Francie. How are you? I'm great. Uh, thank you for joining. I know you're calling in from, or I'm actually calling you, but in from Florida. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate you joining. So, uh, Tim, let's talk about you first. Um, I know you're. <laughs> I know you're the president of the Florida Association of Licensed Investigators. But what else do you do, and how did you get involved in this business? Well, I started back uh, in the late '80s, working uh, in in security, protecting uh, various entertainers. And after a couple of years, I decided I I really didn't like entertainers, uh, <laughs> and I, I moved on. Uh, and then eventually wound up uh, in Florida doing some some training, martial arts, and uh, you know I kind of got in and out of the security field, and then found myself uh, drawn to the investigation side of the house. Uh, and having been doing executive protection for a while, uh, putting together threat assessments and everything, there was a an investigative component to it. So it was kind of a, a, a natural feel and an interesting feel. So uh, that, that kind of got me into it. Uh, my partners uh, at the time, we uh, opened uh, a business and unfortunately, uh, like most – most first attempts out uh, fell flat on his face after a, a couple years, uh-huh. and we got back together with a little bit more uh, maturity and everything, uh, and from there, uh, we opened up uh, a company with a $2,000 loan, and I'm proud to say that it still goes on and thrives today. And how long ago was that, Tim? That was back in 1992, and it spawned... Uh, four additional business units uh, because we just started finding needs for other things for ourselves and our clients. Uh, Instead of uh, contracting it out or maybe we attempted to contract it out, we weren't satisfied with the result. We said, well, I can do that and uh, basically gave it a shot. Uh, Some things were were learning curves, uh, but we were able to pull together the right talent 
uh, to make those those ventures uh, happen, and they they were quite successful. Uh, in in 2012, I basically, you know, after 20 years, uh, sold my interest in those organizations, uh, and you know, kind of stepped back. Uh, took my wife and family on a on a vacation, uh, a long overdue vacation. And uh, came back, and Fally was still there. Uh, I've been a member for 15 years, uh, and decided that you know, uh, let me let me pay a little bit more attention to this, uh, and focus on this uh, since I've got this newfound time. I uh, and <laughs> you want to fill the space, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you can't uh, you can't just turn it off. So uh, yeah. you know, I I been elected president in uh, 2010, uh, and for a couple of years, I was able to, you know, juggle the uh, the the business units uh, because of my my partners and everything, as well as Valley. But uh, after that vacation, I was re-energized. I came on back, and I thought, okay, uh, what's the what's the next direction? Uh, and there's always there's always a next direction if uh-huh. you're. If you're paying attention, <laughs> right, right. So I'm, I'm actually coming up. Uh, this will be my final uh, term uh, with Fally, uh, going from 2015 to 16, and then okay. I've got my my other organization that I've I've I, I just couldn't couldn't stop. So I created something else. What What's the other organization? Well, the other thing is the Grafton Group. Uh, basically, I had to renegotiate with my partners that I could open up something that would not really be competing against them. And uh, at the time uh, that I left, I was primarily the the investigator for the organization. They decided, you know, that wasn't what they were fully immersed in. They had their uh, core competencies and wanted to focus on those. So I was able to open up the Grafton Group. I uh, and what is it? I'm enjoying that time. Okay, and so what's the Grafton Group doing now? Well, the Grafton Group uh, is doing a number of uh, investigations. I've got uh, friends uh, and f- you know that I've known for a number of years that I, I respect, colleagues that are from different walks of life, as it were, in the investigative field. And uh, decided that we wanted to uh, pool this, uh, these talents uh, under one name to our, our clientele that's out there. So uh, I honestly have no idea about criminal investigations. Uh, that's, that's not an area where my, my talents were, were there. Uh, it, mine focused more on corporate investigations. Mm-hmm. And dealing with uh, the corporate setting, so I uh, talked to Rory McMahon, who uh, you are uh, well aware of, uh-huh. uh, and he continues to have his own agency. But uh, was it we talked, and he said, you know, he wanted to uh, partner up with me in this, and uh, we have put together a pretty good team of uh, exceptional investigators from around the country. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Now, um, when were you licensed, Tim? Uh, my licenses go back to uh, actually the late 80s. Okay. And uh, my the 
corporate licenses uh, come on back. I mean, obviously in 92 when we launched uh, the CIS and then later on, it, it like I said, it spawned uh, several licensing entities, uh, a school uh, which we took online at the S2 Institute. Uh, and that has done well throughout uh, throughout the country as as well as Florida. But uh, we have an online platform that I believe it was a uh, hundred and thirty some odd uh, people are are mm-hmm. logging in from other countries around the world. So oh, good. And it's the been CI- exceptionally good. CIS stands for what? Critical Intervention Services. Oh, nice name. Uh, they basically, you know, if you have a problem, call us. We'll 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 take care yeah. of it. Okay. Uh, so we were we were able to grow that and uh, you know outpace uh, a number of our our, our so called competitors uh, with a different take, uh, more of a, a stricter high end security take. Okay. And the training school, uh, online school, what does it offer? Uh, S2 Institute offers a wide variety of training options for, uh, I mean, we've trained law enforcement, military, and uh, was it foreign governments? Uh, we got to be really rigid and strict on that, what uh, the State Department will let us take over. Uh-huh. Uh, but I have uh, an incredible gifted staff that I was able to assemble uh, underneath that banner and it dealt with uh, firearms, anti-terrorism training, uh, executive protection, uh, investigations of course uh, and a, a number of, of, of other things that, that most people are kind of it's specialized uh, such as graphology. Uh, Barry Wilson is a very, very talented graphologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the study of handwriting and uh, he did an online program for us. Uh, and, you know, it's just been very interesting group of folks. Very so interesting group. I'm sure there's people listening that be interested in following through and checking that out. How would they do that? Well, they can go to uh, S2, uh, the letter S, number two, institute.com. Okay. Uh, and, you know, the full name of the school was a Safety and Intelligence Institute, but uh, for we were doing business for years uh, as S2. Okay. Interesting. And is a, uh, it sounds like there's a, l- a large offering of classes, the... Uh, do you sign up per module per class or do you sign up for a program? How does that work? Yeah, there are two ways of signing up. There are what we call online the online programs uh, and there are three levels there. One is open for everyone. The other is open for only vetted uh, individuals uh, that have a uh, law enforcement or some kind of licensing uh, requirement, uh, you know, California has the same kind of licensing criteria mm-hmm. as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, no felons wanted. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, that way it kind of vets that out for us. Uh, and then level three is U.S. government only. Okay. So when you accept a student, do you do a background on them? There is uh, there is a background that is run on uh, most of the students, yeah, uh, for the, the, the level three. Now, uh, if you have a .gov, well, basically that, uh, that vetted you for a government uh, program mm-hmm. uh, and, and, or a .mil because there's a number of people. And typically our, our level three programs are 
uh, vetted extremely heavier than that. Uh, but most of the people out there uh, with the dot .mil and dot .gov, they're, they're not even really interested in those because some of them are chemical and biological, uh, the investigative process into chemical and biological. And there's very, very small niche of folks. But a very dear man, uh, was it Dr. Um, McGeorge, uh, who is also a mentor, uh, he had recently passed away in, uh, a few years ago, and we decided that before uh, he passed, and as well as him, that uh, we wanted to uh, put this knowledge because there was going to be a wealth of knowledge mm. uh, leaving the earth. And uh, he was one of the uh, extremely talented individuals uh, in chem and biological warfare. Interesting. Neat. Well, uh, now – Florida has a strong licensing law. Um, can you can you talk about that a little bit? What it's required? Absolutely. Um, for the investigators, they have to show that they have uh, two th- or four thousand one hundred and sixty hours of investigative verifiable experience before the state will issue the license uh, for private investigations. Now, in many cases, that's very easy for the retiring law enforcement officer uh, to document that. But there's there's some people that uh, can go to school and they get a criminal justice where they can get one year waived, uh, but they'll still have to work as, a, as an intern or apprentice for uh, – the rest of the audience uh, underneath an investigator, and they'll have to guide and supervise uh, mm-hmm. their activities during this this year long process. And that's um, you have a C license, and you have this, what, how do those work? Yeah, the C license is for the investigator that has shown that they have that uh, that number of hours, and they can get that right out of the gate. Otherwise, they have to apply for what is known as a CC. Uh, which is for an intern. I, I always jokingly say, aka slave, uh, <laughs> because you get to do the work the investigator really doesn't want to do. And right. in 90 degree heat outside in Florida is not fun to do surveillance. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so, um, so when you, after you qualify for the hours, then do you have, a, have to take a state exam? Yes, there is a test. Um, and the state recognizes that you cannot uh, – we're, we're probably not going to trip you up on any investigative uh, questions, especially if you're a retiring law enforcement officer uh, or somebody that has been doing investigations for a number of years. And they don't try to make it specific because an individual that retires from – Let's just say the uh, highway patrol. Highway patrol is very, very well versed in dealing with traffic accidents, homicides, and recreation and everything else. But they have no interest in doing surveillance or uh, whatever other kind of investigation you can point to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the state says, we're not going to try and trip you up and say you have to become a jack of all trades. What we're going to do, though, is mandate that you understand the guidelines of being an investigator in the state of Florida. So it's a 100-question test on all of the state statutes that you'll be governed under. Mm, Okay. All right. Now, you know, people that aren't in this business often ask, um, so do you have special access? Do you what what powers do you have that I don't have? Uh, what would you say to that? 
Yeah, I think we have access to a few databases. The public is is not, uh, you know, open, open mm-hmm. and accessible to. Uh, there are a number of things that, uh, you know, investigators do. In Florida, we have a very, very strong, uh, you know, open law on, on, on our records here. Uh, it's called the Sunshine uh, Act, and it's basically 119 in the statute. And basically, anybody can go on down and, and pull records. The trick is most people have no idea that they can do this, number one. Number two, they have no idea where to begin because dealing with government and bureaucracies, uh, if you're not familiar with uh, what is going on, uh, you you kind of have a an issue in in getting this, you know, access to these records, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But for some people, it's you know, it's it's pretty easy. You can walk down to the local police department and ask for an accident report that you may have been involved in, and you know, you want to get a copy of. Right. Uh, so, but a lot of people find it easier uh, when when they've got a big case. Uh, to turn that over to an investigator who is very information sensitive and savvy uh, and who can go out there and grab this information very quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's not all found online. I mean, that's the the trick. I, I was talking to a number of people uh, before about uh, the the golden age of investigations and the, <laughs> the old gumshoe and mm-hmm. burning up leather. Well, there's a number of investigators that have never been in the golden age. They don't know how it works. Right. It's uh, something that, uh, you know, will be in those black and white movies. Uh, they, they feel that they can get all of their answers uh, via the net and online. And I think it's the golden age. I agreed with that because I said for those individuals who have stayed up with technology but still understand how to burn a little shoe leather and get out there and get the information done. Yeah, get out there and knock on doors. Exactly, exactly. Nobody, no, you cannot canvas a neighborhood from your desk and your computer. That's right. This is a good time to take a break, uh, Tim. We'll be right back with Tim O'Rourke. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. 
Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Well, I'm here with Tim O'Rourke, and we're going to be talking, uh, we've just been reviewing a little bit about Tim's background, but today we're going to be talking about leadership. And so, Tim, you know, there's all kinds of definitions of leadership from various parts of the world. I think uh, other people in other countries may have a little bit different definition of leadership than maybe you and I do. Maybe the military has a different definition. So what's your definition? You know, I I think... I, I tend to agree with you on uh, that. However, I, I look and I think that Sun Tzu, uh, the author of Art of War, basically uh, summed it up as a, a leader cultivates a moral law and strictly adheres uh, to the proper methods and disciplines and leads according to that. Uh, and, you know, we can go into what what is required, but there are are also many kind of uh, leadership styles that are out there, the commanding, the visionary, the affiliative, uh, you know, you and I are alike, uh, the democratic, the diplomat, or whatever you may have uh, in your head, uh, the pace setter, and then the coach, uh, somebody that can draw people in and, and lead them. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, the in my mind, uh, a leader is somebody that can go out and is smart enough to realize they don't know everything. So mm. what they do is they look for other leaders, not followers, other leaders, uh, and surround themselves with those people who can advise them and make good quality sound decisions. That's Yeah, that's good. So um, – and I – and. When we first started the show, I said that you were referred to me as an example of a good leader, um, and I know you don't uh, – you're kind of uncomfortable with that mantle a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> but, um, but you have done some, uh, some nice leadership things, and certainly I've heard great uh, things about you, Tim, uh, about your management of the uh, Florida Association of Licensed Investigators, so, so – how do you do that? Do you do you 
are you a visionary? Um, do you do you set goals? Um, how do you get people involved? Talk to us about those things. I think first and, and foremost, I, I had to step back and find out uh, what was going on because I was being chased to uh, enter the run for president of Valley for you know two three years. And and I said I you know on the on the outside, uh, even though I was a member, I I really can't see what the the issue is. But uh, as I got a little bit deeper than I I could, and I said okay, uh, you know, I think a leader has to sit back and go okay, let me collect information and identify what is right and what is wrong, uh, and then if they decide to take on this task. Uh, they have to kind of pick a team that will assist them in accomplishing their, their goals and objectives. I mean, they can lay these things out. Uh, my first meeting, I, I kind of laid that out to my my board, uh, and and you know had to had to get them on board with what I saw was wrong, and and nothing lies uh, when when you put the numbers all out there in front of them, uh, and I was pretty had a pretty effective argument for uh what was currently wrong but how to fix it i uh, and i also turned around and i asked them for their advice and their assistance uh in in getting this done uh, and i think that was a turning point uh i think for a number of members uh there were a number of people that didn't know me so one of the immediate things that i did was uh, reach out to the people who had sat in that chair before as president uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and had true leadership qualities, number one. Number two, the people trusted them because maybe you don't know who I am, but if you know these these other folks uh, and you trust them and if they're you know now you know uh, standing shoulder to shoulder with me, okay, then then I, I need to get to know this person and, and there's a belief system that things are turning around uh-huh. uh, for the organization and that's that's what happened. So in a, in a situation where you're in an association, you have a board, uh, you don't get to choose those people. They get elected and you, uh, you, they're, <laughs> they become part of your organization. Uh, where different than in a company where you're running a business and you have influence on who gets, uh, goes to work for you. Correct. And uh, the lovely thing was I was able to uh, talk those uh, people in, into uh, putting their name in the hat and they were effectively nominated to those positions. So it was pretty easy uh, for them to, uh, you know, get back into those roles. Okay. Uh, and the, the you know, membership voted and uh, they, you know, I thank the membership every day for their votes because they – have have provided a wonderful board, uh, and I'm you know again just to point out here, uh, a true leader is not looking for yes people. They uh-huh. you know you don't you don't need that if you if you really want to lead, you got to have people that will uh, give you advice, but at the same time back you up and say you're wrong, uh, or you know I don't see it that way. Uh, and not have a problem with that. And there has to be an atmosphere created by the leader or those that are in charge to have that kind of environment where people can come up and, and state their views. Uh, and you got to listen. You got to listen. 
So, um, so you had your plan to what build membership? What what was your vision? Well, we were at uh, 327 members. It it was absolutely the lowest I could personally remember uh, having been a member for so many years. Uh, and so it, it required, you know, in my mind that we had to get back to the existing numbers. And I, I felt that perhaps the members were, were running on hard times. Uh, maybe it was a combination of uh, a number of things. And the other thing was is maybe they had lost faith in the organization. So mm-hmm. one of the key reasons in pulling, uh, you know, the individuals back, Rory McMahon uh, being one of them, uh, Bert Hodge being another, uh-huh. uh, you know, those are the two right off the top of my head. I'm not trying to preclude anybody else, but uh, everybody knew these two. Uh, they are they are icons in uh, Florida, definitely, if if not the entire uh-huh. U.S. in the industry. Uh, Bert was uh, going to be our legislative advisor. He lives right there in Tallahassee. He was very familiar with the legislative process and had been involved with Valley since its inception, which uh, it was created out of the necessity to deal with the legislature. So he had been very keenly uh, tuned into that area, and he was very, very aware. And I I just kind of sat there and I thought, well, there's nobody better to – Stewart and keep that that uh-huh. ship right. Uh-huh. Uh, Roy McMahon was the second vice president who was in charge of uh, the conference. Uh, we had to make sure that the conference was right. Well, Rory is an author uh, multiple times over in several of his books or in re uh, reprint uh, being uh, revised uh, two and three times. Uh-huh. Uh, and he knew everybody, and he was a speaker at many conferences around the country. So folks that uh, you know would have probably hung up on me or were not going to hang up on him <laughs> when he uh-huh. called and said, hey, we need you to come down and speak at this conference. Uh-huh. Uh, so he, he got that uh, done, and then uh, the other 20 members uh, also fulfilled their key role as keeping the – organization uh, engaged and the individuals engaged in their local areas. And, it, and, and the thing is, is you can ask somebody to build a house, but if you don't give them tools and materials, they can't do it. So uh, a lot of what I was doing and what I was suggesting was uh, creating those tools for those individuals to get this done. Uh, and we were able to do it. Uh-huh. And uh, the following year, things just continue to get better and better and then they finally snowballed to where they are we've got uh over 800 members now we're, we're climbing toward nine my my ambition and my goal was to get us to four digits which we've never been able to break <laughs> uh, so we're we're continuing toward that goal well congratulations and then let's see this is your second or third term this is actually uh, my fourth. Your fourth. Uh, my, I am in my fourth right now, and uh, the new constitution and bylaws basically say that uh, I in and, and those were passed a couple of years ago by the membership. So three years, and then you're out for every president uh, hereafter. So uh, you know, I was asked to to step up again, and you know, uh, many of the same board members did. 
uh, as well. And even the ones who are not currently sitting on the board, uh, Rory and Bert have both stepped back uh, because the positions for uh, the the first and the vi- second vice president uh, were and and third at the time uh, were taken away uh, in the new constitution and bylaws. However, a first exists. Uh, but they're not in charge of the legislative uh, initiatives. So actually, Bert works with our legislative chair up in Tallahassee. Uh, and Rory is always there for a phone call if I say I need some help on uh-huh. uh, an idea here regarding the conference and that or any other thing. I mean, they're, obviously, their wealth of knowledge is uh, it goes far beyond where I initially asked them to. Uh, come and serve for. But you know, not only the wealth of knowledge, which is certainly critical, but the commitment. Yeah. The That's, commitment. The commitment is uh, what often seems to be lacking. You are absolutely 100% right. That was one of the other things is when I was looking at all of the other board members and I had made no illusions about it. I was like, uh, I'm sending out a letter uh, to them every year. If you're not committed and you're, you've got other things going on, please do do, do us all a favor, including yourself. Uh, don't run this year. Yeah, no harm, no foul. I mean, exactly. everybody's busy. You know, uh, but if you're, you're only here to have this on your resume, then please consider something else. Yeah. Well, you know, I I looked up, uh, um, there's a concept called transformational leadership. And I think, uh, actually, I was just looking through the list of four items um, that I think you just covered that that is your leadership, Tim. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One is creates an inspiring vision of the future. Two, motivates and inspires people to engage with that vision. Three is managing manages the delivery of the vision, and four coaches and builds a team so that it's more effective in achieving the vision. Well, okay, great, <laughs> and that's Tim O'Rourke right there. In four bullet points. I'll let your wife know. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, because she won't listen if I tell her. Amy, Amy will love this. <laughs> um, but but essentially, leadership brings together the skills that are needed to accomplish the four items that I just mentioned that you've been talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and nobody can lead on their own if, in, unless it's a solo act. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, there's no effective leadership that uh, is, is its island. Uh, you know, so you, you need this collection of, of people and you need to be able to engage uh, with people and understand what is important to them uh, and genuinely take an interest in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every time a, a member of our board was uh, ill, I made sure that uh, we, you know, we were, everybody knew about it and we were all talking to them mm-hmm. uh, because you got to care about your people. Uh, nobody wants to work for somebody that doesn't seem to care about right. them. Right. Uh, so a lot of this was, uh, you know, the ambition, the the attitude, the, uh, you know, all the leadership qualities out there uh, really, really don't mean anything if uh, you truly don't care uh, and have a passion for the folks that you're working with and what you're doing. 
You know, you've got to be, it, it's got to be a driving force in, in your life. And I don't think I'm, I'm, you know, uh, telling somebody, you know, that talking to somebody that doesn't know that because you have served for numerous years uh, at the national and the state level. And, and I've, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about uh, your leadership qualities. That's very that's very kind, but um, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, right. So so you know, I think often what happens, um, and it seems like to me, somebody that gets elected into the uh, the premier leadership position, whatever that is, in a in an association group, um, usually has a vision of what they want to accomplish. I think that. It's typically clear. I mean, it does happen where somebody just gets elected for the purpose of getting elected alone. But most of the time, somebody has an idea of where they're going, but but then maybe forgets the other pieces. They they put out the vision. Okay, here it is. This is what we want to do. And then doesn't really do anything to manage it. Right? I mean, is that what you've experienced too? Yeah, you've got to follow through uh, and on on what you're saying. You cannot just say it and then turn around and walk uh, walk away uh, and and expect it to get done. There has to be a commitment to uh, achieving these goals, uh, and there has to be you know like in in business a perform out where we're watching and tracking. I mean, and I did that very thing for uh, a number of years, and I, I still do periodically, uh, I watch how others are working within the organization. Uh, we have, we're down to about 14 board members now uh, because of the new constitution, and I'm happy to say that every one of those positions are filled, uh, and every one of those people understand that they are accountable for their piece of the pie. You are, you know, I, I may hold the title of the president, but you're the leader in your area representing this organization. What have you done for your members? Right. What have you done for the collective group here uh, to to advance what we're trying to do for our folks? Uh, and I have no, no problem uh, if I discover that they're not doing anything. Uh, in asking them to, you know, consider stepping down uh, and and putting somebody else up for that front. And, and the thing is, is, you know, all of us are human. At some point or another, you may just run out of gas. I right. mean, you right. know, it's it's very taxing to do all of these volunteer things and at the same time uh, run a business. Uh, I was very fortunate in the beginning in 2010 because I, I worked – uh, for a corporation, I had my assistants and I had uh, other people that were able to aid and support me, which probably gave me a better uh, advantage over a number of others that were serving on the board because, as you know, probably better than 80%, if if not more, of PI companies are one and two-person right. uh, shops. Yep. Uh, so I had the, the luxury of working with uh, my own in-house staff and saying, okay, I need you to task on this. Uh, So we we utilized that and, and, you know, got us to where we needed to be. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, what you've described is is very important. Uh, But let's take another break because I want to come back to this because this is really important. Okay. 
All right. That was Tim O'Rourke. Stay tuned. He'll be right back. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at PISdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. You know, today we're talking about pillars of leadership. Um, Private investigator Tim O'Rourke is um, the person that we're talking to about this interesting issue of leadership in associations. So um, I think, Tim, what you were saying about letting people know what you expect Mm-hmm. And then following through and making sure that if they, you know, everybody has a life. Everybody has, they're, they're keeping multiple balls in the air all at the same time. Yeah. We all are doing that. And you're right. Sometimes, I mean, you, you said the exact thing. You, sometimes people just run out of gas. Yeah. And, and they have to prioritize. Right. And, you know, I mean, going into it, you have to realize we all have personal and then professional lives. And then, you know, this is something, a volunteer organization where you are giving of yourself uh, for whatever reason. Uh, you you want to be part of something. You want to uh, manage uh, the profession and kind of guide where it's going and have a say in that. Uh, which I think every professional would want uh, when they're dealing with the, you know, regulatory bodies, the legislature, uh, and you want to 
first and foremost, you have to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on this and, and everybody involved. But at the same time, what can I do uh, for, for you know, our profession? Uh, how can I give back to something that is given to me, uh, you know, lifetime friends uh, and acquaintances uh, and, and people that I, I truly enjoy being around? Uh, and you, you've just got to make that step, but at the same time, you kind of every once in a while, and I'll, I'll be totally honest. I think I'm, I'm feeling like I'm running out of steam here. Uh, <laughs> you. You know, after, after four years, four years. It's, been, it's been, it's been a great ride. I think we've accomplished, um, many things for our, uh, you know, fellow investigators here. We've gotten several uh, bills passed that uh, enhance their capability uh-huh. uh, to function and operate things that uh, they wanted. We we got the unlicensed activity uh, bill passed uh, in the in the past. It was, you know. Uh, a misdemeanor if you were caught doing unlicensed activity and you just turned around and that person was back at it the very next week. Uh, you know, they were like, catch me if you can't, uh-huh. uh, advertising and everything. So uh, now in Florida, the first time, it's still a misdemeanor because I believe anybody can, you know, make an honest mistake. Uh, and you don't want to penalize that person for making an honest mistake because some of the some of the folks come from, uh, states where there was no licensing for private investigations. Right. Uh, so they move into Florida and they had no idea. I thought I just went out, got a business license, and it yeah. was good. But uh, thankfully, uh, there's only about three of those states left, which is kind of a nice thing. True. Very true. Uh, but the second time, it becomes a third-degree felony with up to a $10,000. Um, oh, my goodness. Good. Company. Great. Good for yeah. you guys. So. And and one of the things that you and the presidents of two other associations, Kelly Riddle and uh, uh, Michael Julian, California Association, yep. Kelly Riddle at Texas, and Florida formed was the called the Big Three, so you could join all three associations at a discounted rate right. as part of the Big Three, which is which is a great marketing strategy. I thought. Uh, I. Th- I th- Thought about it, and, and Kelly was actually just on his way out. He had been president for two years, and uh, Mark Gillespie was coming in as president. And I had just met um, Michael Julian, and we we all formed a, uh, a, a good friendship there. Uh, we still stay in contact with each other. I talked to Mark uh, a few about a month ago, uh-huh. and uh, was it? I periodically get a text and uh, an, an email from Michael, uh, just telling me how wonderful the weather is in California. Uh, and you know, we we formed the big three with an idea that uh, look, we are the three largest associations in the country. Uh, let's do a force multiplier and add a benefit. Uh, because a number of our members were uh, engaged in either, you know, from Florida in Texas or in California, uh, and and some were members of both, but not many. Uh, and so we made a, a reciprocal agreement. If you're a member in good standing in your home state, you can become a out of state member. Uh, however, it's termed or categorized in in that membership's, uh, you know. Uh, 
The, the little different category, yeah. Yeah, little, however yeah. their categories are, but uh, however they deemed it, some are associate, some are affiliate. And instead of playing that word game, we just said if you're an out-of-state member uh, that's licensed in your own state and in good standing, you could join these other associations for half price. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think it drove up the uh, numbers uh, for out-of-state uh, licensing and uh-huh. it it made it uh, something something pretty impressive. Uh, you, now you went from you know say eight hundred to thirty five hundred uh, people in your your Rolodex mm-hmm. uh, because everybody in California or Texas or Florida are not all residents of a lot of the right. a lot of the people are in Nevada and Arizona and everything else because they they joined uh, through those organizations so. It's. I, I think it's been a great, uh, well. It's been received. a great marriage. Yeah, I think. I think yeah. so too. Um, and so, so we're talking about, um, you know, your vision and your expectations of your board or your staff or whoever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and then and then you have to uh, follow through and manage what you were just talking about can't just start and be left you know there's some glitches along the way it has to be managed right and you got to have a great attitude you got to have a good attitude you're kind of the cheerleader uh i i I, you know people go how do you keep everybody motivated i gotta be the cheerleader yep i gotta be the person that's out there smiling and getting things done even if i'm having a bad day i gotta turn this around uh, because we can all have bad days. We're some of us can have bad weeks uh, in our in our personal or professional life. And guess what? We we can we got to be able to put that aside and get out there and get keep people motivated to do what they're doing. Uh, I see you know hundreds of folks at our conference uh, that come up and they're like you know they they pat me on the back and they pat the rest of the staff uh, the staff uh, the the you know, uh, board on the back and say, you know, you guys are, are doing a great job. And that makes you want to be in a good mood, you know, mm-hmm. that somebody is appreciating. That somebody cares, yeah. What yeah. we've been doing, yep. you know. So, Tim, do you think uh, leaders are born or do you think they learn to be leaders? You know, I I think if uh, you're from a uh, – country where they put a crown on your head just because of your last name and your bloodline, I guess you're born. Uh, But I don't think that makes you a leader. Uh, I think, you know, a leader is somebody that uh, has a passion, has a uh, an empathy and an understanding toward uh, people and, you know, can can get them to uh, move forward in whatever the mission may be. Uh, because the the people realize that this person is genuine, um, you know. And sometimes we've got our our, our stereotypes, uh, you know, or you know, our stigma where we'll we don't trust people right away. Uh, but it's it's interesting how you know uh, people are and kind of understanding the human psyche. I mean, you you live in California, and I say, so do you, do you know everybody in California? Of course not. I, what are you, crazy? There's a gazillion <laughs> people here. Uh, and, and, and I don't want to talk to everybody in California, but if you're on a uh, 
subway train uh, in you know Europe and you hear somebody behind you speaking English, you're going to turn around and go, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, where are you where from? Are you, from? Mm-hmm. you know? That's right. Uh, and then we've got a bond there. So you've got to replicate this and understand people uh, are, are – you know, not always going to be, you know, so quick to move towards you. Uh, but you got to figure out what makes us, uh, you know, need to be together and, and speak that language and, and let them come. So do you, uh, do you think say. anybody can be trained to be a leader? Anybody uh, has a potential? You know, I think people can be trained to be leaders, but uh, the, the fact is, is they have to be genuine in their heart and people can sense that people can sense whether you're telling me what right I right away uh you know i i was listening to somebody talk about uh tiger woods and they said you know we really love this guy but then when he said uh you know i didn't do this and you know when it came out later on that he had done certain things uh people don't like that People, uh-huh. you know, all of a sudden, everybody that was on their, his side and backing him, kind of, kind of, you know. I'm not picking on Tiger. I'm not. I'm just right. saying, if you're if you're not genuine, the genuine article, people will find that out eventually. Well, we're a very forgiving nation as a whole. If somebody is real and says, "Yep, I screwed up," we're pretty right. forgiving. <laughs> Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, forgiveness is something that uh, we need to. But now the the thing is, is your level of trust in, in taking everything mm-hmm. that that person says, uh, you kind of question from there on out. For sure. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I just want to bring back what you said because you were saying uh, coaching, building a team. Mm-hmm. That goes back to those four components I read to you earlier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean, you've just said, you know, what we're talking about. I've just, uh, you talked about your vision and, and how you present your vision and how you get people to buy into your vision. And then you talked about your expectations. And right. that's the motivation. And, and when those expectations maybe are, have failed, Addressing those instead of because I see a lot of times, even though somebody's failing, oh really? Nobody really wants to talk to them about it. Nobody really wants to address it. It's it's not comfortable, but right. it's that you know going to that person and saying you know this is not working. This really right. isn't working. Not right. your fault, but it's not working. And then your the management of what you want to accomplish, following up. Yeah. Um, uh, Keeping Maybe. those metrics is of yeah, uh, what has actually it. happened. Yeah, right? keeping yeah, exactly. Tweaking it a little bit if it's going the wrong direction. Um, I'm sure you've run into that where you had planned to do one thing and it kind of went askew, and so you need to regroup and go another little bit different direction, or add something, or subtract subtract something. Right. Exactly. And then coaching and getting people to feel good. You know, building them up when they've done something good. Mm-hmm. Supporting them when they're they're struggling, um, talking to them about new directions or maybe different ways of doing things, giving feedback, mm-hmm. all of those things, is, and, and that's why you were referred to me, Tim. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's why you referred to me. <laughs> I, I, I truly appreciate it, and I I, I appreciate uh, 
you know, all those friends. Uh, I appreciate you and, and what you've done. Uh, because again, you know, when, to become to be effective, you have to also be passionate about what you're what you're doing and and what we do. Uh, you know, is is not easy. Otherwise, everybody would do it. Uh, and and being passionate and moving forward. Uh, you know, and I look around, I look around the country and I see other leaders doing things, uh, and, and I'm not afraid to steal things and steal ideas and go, there you oh, go. <laughs> that's a really good idea. I wish I would have thought of that myself. Can I steal that? Uh, and yeah. you know, uh, talking to leaders from other areas and, and realizing that, uh, you know, and taking care of your staff, uh, or or the board that is is underneath you because I, I I've had uh, in the first year one board member went through a hard point time in their life uh, and they were able to bounce back from it mm-hmm. and it was just to to give them that personal space time and support them uh, during that period and then they bounced back and they were as strong as ever. Well, it is so exciting to be part of a journey where you're all working together and you're all committed and I. So much appreciate, Tim, you taking the time today to, uh, to talk about this. And I just want to take a moment, uh, though, and give a shout-out to my great sponsors, IRB Search, a proprietary data provider for legal professionals. They can be reached at www.irbsearch.com. And then, of course, Joe, uh, uh, Rosemary, and Jimmy Messis of PI Magazine, the, mag- the magazine for private investigators at www.pimagazine.com. So, um, again, thank you so much, Tim. This has been uh, instructive, I think, and it it really helps to talk about this subject because sometimes we just kind of go through life uh, not really looking closely at uh, some of the things we need to do or maybe some of the things we believe. So, um, tune in again next week, folks, as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Tim O'Rourke. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. PIs Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.